Have you ever lain on the ground looking up at the stars on a cloudless night, far from the bright lights of cities and shopping malls, from the blackness of deep space, beckon countless points of light, larger and smaller, nearer and farther, in a dazzling display of mystery that awes and tantalizes, humbles and invites into contemplation. The universe appears to us at once infinite and intimate. Where did it come from? Where did we come from? Who are we? Tragically, the modern proliferation of outdoor lighting has robbed many young people of the true night sky, leaving them with what Liz Walker, the former TV newswoman, now an African Methodist Episcopal pastor, calls spiritual smallness. Because however relentlessly news media or advertisers or the blogosphere or the late night comedians may try to convince us otherwise, our spirits are not small. Our spirits are vast and capable of continuous expansion. There is something in us that knows we were meant for great things, some unquenchable curiosity that seeks to penetrate the surface of things and find the truth. This quest can lead us on a wild and sometimes frightening ride through hopeless love affairs and addictions and cults. Certainly it helps explain my own nearly compulsive relationship with books, which I buy used online with alarming ease. Most of the books I buy fall more or less under the category of spirituality. I move promiscuously from one to another, finishing some, barely beginning others, always imagining that the next book will provide the definitive answer to life, the universe, and everything. Thank you. Or at least get me closer to it. 41 or 43, my God, the President's Bush were on either side of the answer. In every book I read, I pencil little notes in the margins, a hierarchy of check marks and arrows indicating important points and quotations I might use later. On a blank page in the front, I create my own subject index. Compassion, pages 4, 27, 102. Forgiveness, chapter 6. Beloved community, pages 88 and 179. On a blank page in the back, I sometimes brainstorm sermon ideas like this one. A spiritual teacher once advised me to get rid of my books. I suppose so I might commune directly with the divine. I found another spiritual teacher. <laughs> spiritual hunger is at the heart of all religion, 
Buddhist Jack Cornfield writes, there is a pull to wholeness, to being fully alive, even when we have forgotten. The Hindus tell us that the child in the womb sings, do not let me forget who I am, but that the song after birth becomes, oh, I have forgotten already. The Sufi poet Rumi addressed the divine. The moment I heard my first story, I started looking for you. St. Augustine wrote in his confessions, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. While our hearts may long for rest, while our souls may yearn to be rocked in the bosom of Abraham, for many of us, the rest we find does not last. Instead, we arise and press on in a never-ending cycle of breakthrough and disillusion, wholeness and fragmentation, seeking and finding and seeking again. We turn our insights into idols, then smash them when we realize their imperfection. And the search continues. Some religious leaders try to arrest the cycle by claiming that truth revealed once and for all can brook no amendment. The campaign of the faithful for converts distracts them for a time from whatever doubts trouble their hearts. They denounce as infidels those who rebuff their proselytizing and persecute as apostates those believers who question their dogma. This fearful rigidity breeds violence, assassination, war, even genocide. But the wisest teachers understand that the yearning spirit cannot be confined. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, the wind blows. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Christian mystic Tilden Edwards observes, whatever we have been given and embraced of spiritual truth is enough until we are invited to further encounter. Our protective, equilibrium-oriented psyches are tempted to freeze the perceived truth at some point and not risk the disorientation of what else God's living spirit would show us for our further transformation and the world's good. Our yearning spiritual heart trusts, however, that any disorientation is simply the small price we pay for growing deeper into our true being and calling 
the first precept of the order of interbeing, founded by Vietnamese Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh, reads, do not be idolatrous about or bound to any doctrine, theory, or ideology, even Buddhist ones. All systems of thought are guiding means. They are not absolute truth. The second precept reads, learn and practice non-attachment from views in order to be open to receive others' viewpoints. Be ready to learn throughout your entire life and to observe reality in yourself and in the world at all times. In my own 58 years, I have embraced, discarded, modified, and rediscovered many truths, many models of reality. Santa Claus brought me toys each Christmas, eating the cookies and drinking the milk we left for him until an alternative theory seemed to offer a more satisfactory explanation of the evidence. Was there a God? Of course. Probably. Maybe. Of course not. There's nothing. Well, maybe something. But not God. Maybe love. Maybe spirit. Maybe God, maybe nothing. I explored Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, Sufism, new thought, a course in miracles. I will slow down taking pity on my interpreter. <laughs> Insight meditation, mindfulness meditation, Passage meditation, affirmative prayer, visualization, affirmation, reevaluation, counseling, landmark education, the Sedona method, the Alexander technique, nonviolent communication. <laughs> I found truth in all of them, but I never mistook any of them for ultimate truth. None is complete. All are useful or have been at times for me. Mahatma Gandhi subtitled his autobiography, The Story of My Experiments with Truth. Because he said, my life consists of nothing but these experiments. I claim for them, he said, nothing more than does a scientist who, though he conducts his experiments with the utmost accuracy, forethought, and minuteness, never claims any finality about his conclusions, but keeps an open mind regarding them. As in science, so in spirit, data are never wasted and truth is never lost. Even theories disproven inform the theories that supplant them. Smaller truths are not contradicted but are instead embraced and subsumed in larger truths like mitochondria, fueling the cells and folding them. 
Truth will always be larger than our comprehension and the imperfect metaphors in which we attempt to express it. The wonderful thing about Unitarian Universalism is that we can go through all our changes of belief and practice and remain fully Unitarian Universalist. A crisis of faith need not trigger a crisis of religious identity. Because Unitarian Universalism embraces and honors all paths. We encourage one another to spiritual growth wherever that growth leads. To borrow Tilden Edwards' phrase, we offer not a straitjacket, but a life jacket. The buoyancy of love and acceptance and respect. It is vital that we as Unitarian Universalists actually practice that respect. To appreciate that there are many truths is not to say there are no truths at all. When we find a truth, we should rejoice in it, not shrink from it. Just as we do not make an idol of the truth we find, we must not make an idol of endless seeking, flitting from one tradition or practice to another as if our very rootlessness were a mark of sophistication. And when others express a religious conviction or a commitment to a spiritual path, we must truly honor their choice, not arch an eyebrow in bemused skepticism. We may be honestly curious, but not condescending. As seeking and finding are both essential to the cycle of spiritual growth, neither is superior. In his exquisitely titled book, After the Ecstasy, The Laundry, <laughs> Jack Cornfield explains that even after enlightenment, Mara illusion does not go away. There is no state of enlightened retirement, Cornfield writes. No experience of awakening that places us outside the truth of change. Everything breathes and turns in its cycles. The moon, the stock market, our hearts, the wheeling galaxies all expand and contract with the rhythm of life. All spiritual life exists in an alternation of gain and loss, pleasure, and pain. For each of us, Cornfield says, even the Buddha, it is only by letting go into this truth that we awaken to that which is timeless, the reality of freedom. May we use the freedom we enjoy as Unitarian Universalists, to seek the truth without desperation, to hold it without attachment, to share it without arrogance, to amend it according to experience and insight, and when the time comes, to let it dissolve into larger truths. May we remember that what we believe 
is less important than how we live. May we live always in love. Amen. And blessed be.